The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. You Good morning, Mike. You sound a lot more uh, um, excited than I am this morning. I, I don't know how else to put it, so... Well, uh, in the ever-expanding, swirling, and uh, undulating murk that is the <clears throat> idea of the NHL season, uh, we we have gotten a little bit closer to a part of the gloom we can see through. Ah. Um, current opinion is trending towards a January start. Um, yes, Who's later it? than any of us really wanted. Whose but, opinion is that, though? Uh, I've seen it in a couple of different places. Okay. Um, we have one article uh, from one of the Nashville uh, sites uh, that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. We have, uh, but I have seen it elsewhere. We have Flames talk. We have Canucks talk. We have we have Jets talk. Uh, we have Bolts talk. Why and do we, we have, have Western Conference NHL what? first talks. Oh, okay. I'm gonna say why we have we seem to have a lot of West Coast uh, or Western Conference uh, uh, bias this week. Uh it happens every once in a while. I mean, there's some interesting teams out there and stuff that's actually happening versus yet another recount of the worst uh, of the best and worst um, alternate jerseys. Because that's exciting and lends itself well to a entirely verbal discussion. Even the people that write those articles know that there's they're they're, they're joking and not serious. They're all bad. Well, not all of them. The Bruins ones are bad. Well, the Bruins ones are bland because the Bruins have never had an exciting jersey, and I would love just once for them to come out with an exciting jersey. How about like the the peyote coyote? See, I don't know if you could make a bear ish or <laughs> logo ish one. Now that would be. Wonderful. I'm up for it. Like seriously, find me something interesting. Anybody, find me something interesting. Yeah. Um, I I know that a lot of people don't like it, or just thought it was a little bit childish. Um, but I kind of like that. That Guardians series uh, that the Bruins, uh, that the NHL did as a whole. Um, oh, God, it has to be six, five, six years ago. I thought those were at least interesting. Okay. Unlike, yeah. I mean, you knew which, you knew exactly when those were made. And if you remember them and can still find mention of them anywhere on the internet, um, and they were distinct. They say something. Every every Bruins, every other Bruins jersey is really, really, really just minor, minor, minor variations on the same thing. Uh, I mean, there's that hideous Winnie the Pooh Bear jersey that we were inflict uh, that was inflicted upon fans. Um, there's the <coughs> absolute. Uh, sleeping pill of a uh, of the retro jersey they had for their last outdoor game <laughs> yes 
hey, we can always go the way of uh, Pittsburgh and steal somebody else's jersey. Okay, we'll steal the Chicago Blackhawks jersey. And turn um, and and turn the Chiefs head into Turn the, the Chiefs head into into a standing bear. Okay. The colors are a little off for Bruins for Bruins fans. It might take a little bit of getting used to, but hey. One never knows. Uh, and yes, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Good luck finding any reference up to it. Uh, it wasn't Guardians of the Galaxy. It was the it was the whole Guardians series that they unveiled at a. Uh, I vaguely remember it. I, I at what was it an All Star game? Uh, half a century ago at this point. I vaguely remember it. I know what you're talking about. I can't describe it. But. Yeah, good luck finding any kind of reference to it. It's like all of those jerseys completely disappeared. I can't, I, I literally can't think uh, of any of them that are still around. Uh, the, or that were seen anywhere. You don't see them at the arenas uh, or you didn't see them. They just sort of died. The NHL made one big, one half-hearted push. And then let them, or possibly just held their heads underwater for a few minutes, but disappear into they just spirit. died. They died. Yeah. There was no mention of them ever again. I can't believe that they were that bad. I thought they were. I thought most of them were solid. I mean, none of them were mind blowing. Mm. I just ah. Uh... We need to we need to move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, we need yes. to officially start here. I mean, uh, so where do you want to start? Well, we're we're all over the West Coast. Let's start somewhere out there. Uh, yeah. Even I'm having difficulty trying to figure this one out. Uh, Well, let's go to the Nashville story since I can't think of anything else. My mind is completely drawing a blank this morning. It's just – it's been one of those weeks. It's, everything mashes together. and So Nashville Predators, uh, Chad Minton of the Pro Lines fan-sided site. Yep. Reporting that uh, there may be some light at the end of the tunnel for the Predators to get back on the ice. I mean, would this not be like a whole NHL getting no. back on the ice? No, it's just going to be the uh, the Preds and uh, stand-ins for the other teams. Spectacular. Uh, progress is being made. Concrete plans are coming out. I see. My problem is with this, and I read this. I haven't seen anything concrete. Batman is still saying he wishes that this league would start. He wants to start. He wants... I haven't seen anything definitive, and that's what – until we get something definitive, and it's got to make the players happy. The players are not happy. An article that uh, – other articles that I've read mention uh, money in escrow and, and, and realign – not realigned salaries, um, prorated salaries and everything – it sounds like they're not any closer, and that's what's got me nervous. 
um, that it doesn't sound like. I mean, it's, they keep, the realignment makes sense. Okay, we've realigned it, and they, they they've got realignment plans to li- minimize travel. I get that. Yep. <clears throat> so while there's hope, there's not. Uh, there's still not any real substance. I mean, it, we. I think we all knew by oh three weeks ago at the latest that a January first start just didn't make sense anymore. Um, I think a mid-January, late-January start and 60 games can still be done, assuming no interruptions, assuming the bubble goes, uh, assuming contained hockey or the bubble, however you want to call it, goes as well as it did last year, preferably without the pretend-offs. And you play 60 regular season games, the normal, the normal, 16 tournament of 16. I think you can do a 60 game normal playoff season and go. I think it can still be done. Okay. And if, 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 if you start training camps December 27th, then you you should, you get all of the holiday angst out of the way and separation of players from their family for the holidays. You don't have to worry about the, you don't have to worry about the trade embargo uh, that's, that normally pops up. You don't have to worry about, you know, little kids who are not going to see their dad for three weeks, three months, who knows how long the, uh, who knows how long the stuff will last. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, parents who or, you know, people with 70, 80 year old grandparents who, you know, people get that age, regardless of general public health concerns. It might be their last holidays. Um, and I, I could completely understand any player not wanting to be stuck in a bubble for their job. Um with something like that uh, in the forefront of their mind. I will say this, this article happens to mention the one thing that even I overlooked and, and I know that's hard to believe. I get that, but uh, the fact that the Tokyo Olympics are running this summer because they also were pushed back due to the pause delayed. Yes. Uh, now, granted, it is a summer Olympics. It's not like they're going to lose players to uh, an Olympic no, yeah. break. But it's still you don't want to run NHL playoff games against <laughs> the Olympics on TV because obviously well, they're both they're both uh, they're both uh, televised by NBC. And that's the biggest problem. I mean, there is the Olympic Channel now. Um, and, but it's not an automatic channel. I don't get that channel actually. Yeah. I mean, NBC owns enough television stations that you could still get the playoffs on one of the alternates, you know, ABC, uh, not, not ABC, um, USA, they, USA they or TNT, which are on pretty much every cable program or streaming, uh, t- or streaming service. Oh, I'm not saying there aren't other networks. It's just that it, it, it's not NBC. You're it's also going to be harder to find. 
you're also again uh, going back to being a, a fan driven and obviously all sports are but in this particular case if the only way you have to watch it is on tv now you're asking a sports fan to split their their attention, their attention. between olympics and hockey now some sports are boring and unfortunately that's just the way it is and people aren't going to watch them but if it happens to be gymnastics or it happens to be um the 100 meter dash for the world's fastest man or it happens to be uh, tennis or whatever if it's something that you're asking them to, to decide and olympics being a once every couple of years sport it, it's kind of difficult to expect that they're going to choose the nhl over over the olympics i would hope that they would but i i mean i would choose hockey over the olympics but uh, it's if, winter if it's hockey coming, if it's the playoffs there's nothing happening at the at the uh at the olympics that i would prefer to see it's just not um if it's the late regular season there's probably two or three swimming events or diving events i could be convinced to tune into um, but those are over in 15 minutes anyways. Agreed. Um, no, I just, it just that this is the first time I've heard, I've, I've read or seen any mention of the fact that they're coming up, they might be coming up against the Olympics. And I mean, leaving aside the televising part of it, the logistics yeah. for NBC would not be easy because a lot of the people who get tabbed to do the NHL playoffs also end up working the Olympics. And this, of course, assumes the Olympics are going to happen and happen as currently scheduled. Um, yeah, then you're, then you're the comment. I mean, how do you get commentators to be at hockey, commentate on hockey while they're trying to commentate? Yeah, okay. I hadn't thought of that. It's not going to happen. You're either going to have to have them in one place doing a theoretical live feed or delayed eight seconds, ten seconds uh, from – the other location or you're going to have to go to second and third stringers for events. Um, and mm. I pretty certain the, that NBC doesn't want to go to their four string announced team for uh, the Eastern conference finals or the Stanley cup or even their four string um, intermission team. Just hire back Jeremy Roenick and have Jeremy and, and Mike Milbury out there calling hockey games. I, <laughs> Absolutely, and I think you should put Sean Thornton in the booth uh, to keep them uh, to keep them uh, quiet or in or in line. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, so we got this article that says that they're looking that, that they're making progress. I found a Colorado site, the Mile um, High State, the Mile High, uh, whatever the heck they call it. Um, I can't. Now I can't find it. This is not good for me today. Mile High Hockey. My apologies. This is an SB Nation, written by Tom Hunter, uh, and it says in here that there's a strong sense around the league that we might not get another NHL season until next fall. Until yeah, next fall, October 2021. And according to this article, from what I've read, it it looks like this plan is actually starting to get some traction and it's believed uh that some of the owners are actually looking would actually rather uh 
do away with this 2020 season and just come back in 2021 because as NHL is more of a ticket driven sport than the other three, they, and, and I actually did find another article which explains that the television contracts that the other sports have, the NFL is $6 billion, NBA $2.6 billion. And I know we talked about this pre-show, but the NHL contract with NBC is only $200 million. And that's not enough to help pay off salaries and, and keep teams running. Yeah, as as we were discussing earlier, uh, I don't know that the disparity between the leagues is quite as great as those numbers, those naked numbers make it sound. Um, almost every uh, almost every football game is broadcast on whatever network's uh, local affiliate uh, is covering or has the football contract that year. Um, for the NHL, there's a lot of local slash regional stations. Nesson covers pretty much all of New England. Uh, MSG Network covers the New York metro area and even uh, further out into the state. Um, you look at uh, you you go up north and you've got you've got the various TSN networks uh, covering things up there. And there's also the split in where the cities are. I mean, there's seven there's seven Canadian cities where uh, so dropping the dropping the current total down to only like 21, 22 markets um, in the U.S. versus all 32 in the U.S. for the NFL. Um, and then you get I mean, then you get into a lot of the I mean, the NFL is larger. It's been around longer. Um, so you don't have quite as many brand new or relatively new fan bases. I mean, the Miami Dolphins have been in in town since what the '60s, maybe going back further. Um, well, well, they got some of the teams like the the older teams, like the Patriots, the Raiders. I mean, they go back Patriots to the aren't AFL. Even an older team. They go back to the AFL. Well, the Raiders go back to the AFL days. Raiders, Chiefs. Uh, so we're talking. Pre-1960. I mean, the Packers go back. And Packers and Bears are like the original two or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Dolphins The Dolphins were founded in 1966. Yeah. Um, the, Patriots, uh, the Patriots were 1960. I didn't realize they were that early. Um, but even like the Jacksonville Jaguars are 93. That yeah, puts them around the same vintage as the as the Tampa Bay Lightning. It, Tampa's a slightly larger city than Jacksonville, but neither one is exactly one of the founding uh, founding teams in the in the in their league. Yeah, at first they didn't want sports. They didn't seem to want sports in 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 Florida or hockey in Florida. Now they now they've got hockey and football there, and they also got hockey and football in Vegas. So hey. Anything's possible. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the the issue with this article, uh, not the issue, the 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 information in this article, um, Pierre LeBrun reported that the NHLPA held firm in its belief that the league's owners should hold to the agreement the two sides made back in June. 
and that's what we were talking about last week. And I don't know where the break even point is without fans in the seats. Um, but I think even if the league and the teams are going to lose money on mm-hmm. a 40 game season, they need to have a season. Is it? I was going to say, is it better to have a 40 or 44 whatever game season and lose some money or have a zero game season? And I mean, how much more are they losing by playing the games than by. There's, there's the purely financial cost. And then there's the credibility gap, because if you, if after having a, after having a incident free, disease free, um, bubble, for three months over the summer, you can't even get the agreement that you had in place before that bubble to work six months later. You've got a credibility gap with the players. You've got a credibility gap with any advertisers uh, that you might uh, bring to the table in the future. You've got a credibility gap with any cities, states, that you're renegotiating arena deals with uh, or negotiating deals with in the future. Um, that's huge. What about a credibility gap with the fans, I think would be the first that's, problem. I mean, the fans is always going to be there regardless of whether you reduce the season, you don't reduce the season, but having another, but having have another completely lost season, like 2005, you're, it's you're just talking. Too soon. Yeah. You're talking there's still two generations of the most financially important fans who are still ticked off about that. (laughs) I mean, it does say it does say here uh, the NHL owners could evoke something called a force majeure. That would allow them to cancel the season despite the Players Association asserting it would be an illegal lockout. And then it defines it as a common clause in contracts essentially frees both parties from liability or obligation when an extraordinary event or circumstance beyond the control of the parties, such as war, strike, riot, crime, epidemic, or an event described by the legal term act of God <laughs> prevents one or both parties from fulfilling their obligations under the contract. I, I don't know. I don't want to see them canceling seasons. It's not a good look for the league. It's not a good look for the teams. I don't want to see them doing it. If you run half a season like you did during after the lockout, uh, what was it, like five years, six years ago, seven years ago? Uh, 2014 season, I believe it was. Yeah, they ran 48 games. Got to do something. You can't go and just eliminate a season. It's not good for anybody all around i don't think no it's just not going to work you <clears throat> you can't you cannot develop <clears throat> good relations with everyone fans players cities advertisers just even even like even partners mm-hmm. like reebok and uh whoever whoever this uh, contract is for skates and stuff like that I don't know if Those they have companies? one particular. I know they got. I know that CCM makes gates and, and 
but there's Those also Bauer. Are losing a lot of money too. Uh, well, the, the yeah, the equipment maker, CCM Bauer, Warrior, uh, the stick makers. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, it 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 does. It, the 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 tentacles from this thing reach into many other uh, markets outside of just uh, the sport itself. Uh, staying on the West Coast, did some positive information uh, in Seattle at the two-year mark. They still yeah. continue to prepare for the 2021-22 season, even though the pause is continuing. Uh, it, it sounds like even though they've been having issues, they're still hoping to they're still hoping to hold in June. They were hoping to have the draft in, in Seattle. They wanted to host drafts at its new home. But the climate pre- the climate pledge arena, as it's currently called, has a price tag of one billion dollars. Uh, and it's supposed to be done in June, or it's supposed to be ready to go in June. Nice. Um <laughs> But with everything that's been going on, they continue on. Uh, and there's a nice photo here of, of uh, some hats and, and T-shirts and whatnot, Seattle logo all over it. it they're up and running. They're, they're they're looking to continue and move. I mean, the stadium the stadium photo it looks really good. I know that they were able to get the Raiders stadium done in like 16 or, or 22 months or something like that. So it. They now have more than 120 employees. More than 30 are in hockey operations. It, it looks good, sounds good, uh, and it's a feel good. It's something that the NHL needs. They need something good right now because right now a lot of the press that they're getting is not of the happiest uh, caliber. Ah uh, no. Um the team needs it. The city absolutely needs it. Uh, and the league needs it. Uh, I would even go so far as to say that fans, uh, in general, even well outside the city could really, really use the good news. Um, I'm personally, I, I mean, I, I really hope that we get like a 50 to 60 game season, uh, out of the NHL this year. Um, I think it's the best. I think it's the best thing that can happen. Yeah, I 50 to 52, 56 games. Anywhere between 50 and 62 is probably the most we can expect. If we see 62 games in the regular season, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, if we see if we see less than forty, um, people are messing up by the numbers. But how, okay, so if you have a fifty to sixty game season, playoffs are starting when mid May, late May. Um, I, it depends on how compressed they go. Uh-huh. Like I mean, theoretically, you could no, it would be less enjoyed. But theoretically, if you want to run bubble hockey and do a really compressed schedule, 
with, you know, the the standard regular season rules, you could theoretically do double headers, you know, have a 11 a.m. start between the Bruins and the Rangers, mm-hmm. four hours, four, four and a half hours off between games. Um, maybe come back. Uh, everyone hits the ice again at six, six o'clock for a seven o'clock start double header that way for and get as many games out of the way while in the same time you're doing Philly and Pittsburgh and double headers in the NHL wow uh, I mean it really depends on how compressed you want to go um, if you're the, it's thinking outside the box I mean I I don't know how much the players would be up for it but I think I think you would see a lot more intensity um <laughs> Maybe not quite to the level of the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, home and home Bruins Montreal series. But you're definitely going to get more energy than you were getting uh, in certain of the uh, bubble hockey games that we saw. I think I think part of it, it, I've I've said it all along that the home games are important because the teams feed off the energy of the fans. So unless you plan on having butts in the seats, you're not going to be any more intense than the games that they did run during the summer. You're going to see the same level. I think you're going to see the same level of intensity, especially if you know that you're going to have one game at 11 o'clock and you got to come back five hours later. How engaged a player is going to be to have that fight or to – uh, no one's going to forget anything. Intensely physical. I understand that no one's going to forget everything. You might see more fights in the second game. Oh, you absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have a primetime game, five hours, uh, so a shower, a meal, a good stretch uh, after a shower, a meal, a good stretch, and a nap after a first game. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that this is something that's viable in an 82 game season because there are limits to the human body. But I think for getting in as many games as possible, um, particularly since it would lower travel costs and testing costs, because you'd get two games out of the way. uh, And that's, you know, uh, several hundred dollars in testing for each person. Uh, You know, what was it? Uh, 20-ish, 25 players, 15 or so staff plus all of the TV people, um, each side, it was you're like, doing it one day versus doing it on two separate days, plus travel, hotel, yada, yada, yada. Okay. If the, if the league is concerned about the amount of money they're going to spend, the owners are concerned about that. I'm not saying that any of the teams should be doing double header on Saturday and then a double header on Sunday too, because that's just plain silly. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is hockey we're talking about. But look at some of the games that we saw and some of the series that we saw in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. We saw a couple of teams go to five overtimes and come back the next night and not really see a drop off in play. Yes, it's the next night, but essentially they played two games in one night all in a row and then came back less than 24 hours and played it at minimum an NHL standard uh, quality of play. 
would I suggest some, this? Some might NFL? argue that Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay playing that five overtime. Was it Tampa Bay played that five overtime game? I forget who yeah, was involved. Uh, in. I believe they were one one of the teams. Yeah. To come back the next, some would argue that the the game the next night may not have been, excuse me, may not have been quite as intense as. Uh, quite as intense? No. Was it? Was it bad hockey? No. Is it going to be any worse than the average dog days of the NHL season? I, I really don't believe so. I don't think it will be anywhere near that bad. Um, pretty much any NHL player who's had the who had uh, the normal wear and tear through a regular season that did not play in the uh, in the playoffs uh, over the summer has had more than enough time to recover. And we're going to be going, the playoffs ended in what, August? Uh, August or first week of September. I don't remember which. No, I think that it was, was August. Basketball, I think it was August. It was yeah. August. So they're going to have all of September, October, November, December, and then half of January. Mm-hmm. That's four and a half months of recovery if you were playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. Almost so, everyone is going to be in about the best shape that they can professionally expect to be in. I mean, that's more than the normal. That's about well, the I don't know. off season. Players like Tyler Sagan might argue that point, considering he's recovering from surgery. From surgery, yes. I mean, he's supposed to be ready, but that doesn't mean he's going to be in game shape. I did say most. Okay. Every. There's going to be a small percentage of people who had late injuries or surgeries that were delayed, uh, and that's going to happen any year. But oh, no, for I understand. the vast bulk of the league, just about all of those teams who didn't play in the playoffs, all of those players who went out in the first round or the second round, you're talking more than six months of recovery time. This is looking better and better for Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, seriously, more than six months of recovery time, that's Ottawa that's hasn't not played since, like, can... March. <laughs> you got to figure, the eight teams that haven't played since March, the Detroit's, the... Uh, that's going to be ten stuff. months, almost ten months of time between mm-hmm. the end of the last... Between when the pause started, and if, if they actually manage a mid-January start... That's 10 months. Literally, yeah. you can blow out both ACLs and both knees and expect to make a recovery in 10 months. Will you be at peak? Probably not. Will you be able to get on the ice and get into game shape within three, four weeks? Sure. I would say even two weeks, depending on your level of athleticism and how much travel there is. But this is... Not having a season now would be one of the worst thing, decisions the league could make. And the, it's clearly going to be an owner-driven decision if that happens. The players want to play. Yes. And they negotiated. In- that, that, that's the nature of the players. Uh, you could almost make that argument every time. The players want – players, that's what they do. They want to play. That's uh, – it's just the way it is. It, then 
I can't imagine there's ever going to be a time where a player is going to go, you know what? Mm, I don't think I want to play. I think I want to just, I think I'd rather we just sit and wait for another year. No. Absolutely. It's not going to happen. They know that they have a limited window uh, in which their talent is at its peak. They have a limited window for a career. They want to play now. And, yeah, the owners need to figure out a way to do this where the, the players think long term. But they also but they also need to do this in a way that isn't screwing the players because well, some of the, the numbers if some of the think, numbers I've seen are if they think long term they're going to do better. It just it's just the way it's it has to work. Um, moving on to the color, uh, to the Calgary flames. Ooh, Calgary. Seeing more um, West coast. James O'Brien of, N- of NBC sports thinks that there might be trouble in paradise. Uh, as a gentleman, he as Brad traveling who O'Brien refers to as a riverboat gambler. um, might uh, might be getting ready to end the Giordano Goudreau era. That's but that's a I, huge statement. And, and it says here Giordano and Giordano combination Giordano. has yeah. Goudreau and Giordano. Uh, I mean. Giordano has been among the top defensemen in the league the past five or six years. Yeah, finally got himself a, Nor- uh, a Norris Trophy a couple of years ago, last uh, year. I believe so, yep. And then Goudreau was one of the most heralded players coming out of college, despite being uh, Marchand size. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, the argument for smaller players in the NHL is definitely bolstered by him actually playing at the high level he plays at. I, I, I mean, as far as as far as riverboat gambler, I mean, Treliving did bring in Jacob Markstrom, gave him a six what a six year deal was it? Uh, six year deal, six million dollars per uh, on average. It, 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 they brought in Christopher Tanev and let TJ Brody go. That one's kind of a wash to me. I think Tanev might be a little bit more physical. Yeah. Um, might, not, might not be as offensively minded. I, I think that's, I think that, I mean, that's that, that trade right there or that change in personnel there. Yeah. That says gambler because Tanev is not a guy who's, ever been known for his offense. I mean, he had a full 20 points last year. Uh, Brody, Brody didn't have, well, Brody only had 19 um, for the Maple Leafs, but I suspect he was playing with, I, I, he wasn't playing with the top line uh, in, in Toronto. Um, both guys had their first years in a new in a new jersey with a new team. Um I I still don't know about that trade. I, I think that Brody has a bit more finesse. Um 
Tanev has already sort of struck me as kind of a blunt instrument. Yes. I, I just I, to blame everything on on Gaudreau and Giordano being some kind of issues with the team. Uh, they there were always rumors of moving Gaudreau, but Literally how do you since the end of his first season there? How do you first of all? How do you move him? You can't win. I don't think you can win that trade, and it says so. Right, and it it, it it says the same thing right here. There's barring an incredible awkward stuff to imagine Flames winning any trade involving Gaudreau or Giordano, because Gaudreau carry he's only making six and three quarter million for the next two years, as is Giordano. I mean, and I, I, I think given the age difference between the two. Um, it's going to come down to what you can move to who and when. Uh, there are 10 teams in the NHL currently over the salary cap. Yes, that's one third of the league. Oh, we're Thank up to 10 now. Okay. Attention at home. Um, and there's going to be <clears throat> there's going to be players moved off of those teams. That's it's going to have to work that way. Um, and that's going to create a ripple effect where maybe you're making a three-way t- a three-way trade and you end up getting an extra second round and ex- even an extra first round pick uh for taking on a little bit of additional salary the flames don't have as much wiggle room as say the rangers or the flyers uh but they do still have uh 21 players um, and over a million, just 21 players signed and over a million free. If they take their, if they take on a bad contract at say $4 million and pick up a first and two seconds, uh, to do it while they move out Goudreau's or, uh, Giordano's six plus, they freed up 2 million more. They're getting some solid prospects with those picks um, because not all of these teams who are over the cap are good teams. The Coyotes, eh, borderline. Um, the Anaheim, the Anaheim Ducks. If if you're if you're taking first and second round picks from them to clear salaries so that they can get under the cap, yeah, you're winning because so, there's no open? way those guys are going to be out of the bottom third of the league. So they is Benning overpaying Tanev here then? Four and a half million per for four years. I, don't I mean, think this is so. a guy. This is a guy who. If, minutes a night. This is a guy who, if nothing else, is consistent. He's scored two goals a season for the last four years. <laughs> he, I see. I don't have a problem. And with five of the last him. six. I, I, it's not his role. He's not an offensive defenseman. I get it. No. I mean. And yes, last year with his last year with the Canucks last season, 20 points ties his uh, career high from 2014-15. I mean, so it's obvious that that's probably his ceiling, maybe 25 if you get him out there with a with another offensive minded group. Yeah. I don't I mean I don't see him suddenly, you know, pouring in 45 points. It's not going to happen. 
that would be shocking, and I would question the quality of goaltending on the other side of the ice. <laughs> goaltending, defense, and possibly expansion of the net. Um, there you go. Height and width. But at four and a, but if that's the case, is four and a half million a year too much no, for him? I, no, I have zero. I have zero issues with that contract for him. Okay. Because he is consistent, and people focus way too much on the best five players on a team or the best three players on a team. It's the middle of the. It's really, really, really the depth and the middle of the roster that makes the difference between teams who look good in the regular season and teams who go deep into the playoffs. All right. I mean, it, it's a decent, I mean, they're not, they, they've got four defensemen on that team that are making in the form, three in the four million. Well, Noah Hannafin would be, I guess you could say five, because it's like just a shade under. Giordano's still making six and three quarters. Uh, Giordano could actually go, and I just read this in the article. That's why I'm saying it. I'm not taking credit for it. But he could go uh, year to year after that, like uh, Chara is currently doing, see how he feels. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, They're not out of options in Calgary. But, yeah, you've got Kachuk's going to need a bump. Gaudreau is going to need a bump. Backlund's making five, you know, $5.3 million for the next four years. You've still got Luch on the books for another. There are some. There, there is some wiggle room. It's just a matter of what kind of moves can you make to get rid of some of it. And yeah, they're right up there. A million million dollars under the cap, and they still got two roster spots to fill. As you um, said, I, I just think there's. I think there is. I don't think it's as bad as this guy's making it sound. I think there no, is. No, it's not as bad, but I, I think that he's got. I think O'Brien, James O'Brien, has got a legitimate uh, piece here. And one of the things I like about his writing is that he doesn't write just fluff pieces. Um, oh no! And I will agree with that. I mean, I've seen a few of his, and in in depth is not. Uh, and an overly overused phrase when it comes to his writing. <laughs> no, um, I, I really, I really like O'Brien's writing. Uh, always have since uh, going back to his last, uh, his, his former blog. But um, there's there's a lot going on there. Um, I want to say that the Flames are going to try and keep them at least through whatever abbreviated season we have. Um, if there's no, if they officially declare a non-season, um, oh boy, the lawsuits are going to fly high and hard. But um, yes, that that'll lead to a lot of movement simply because the season is voided. There's a lot of contracts that are going to expire, and uh, teams are going to have a lot more wiggle room than they do at this moment. I, I mean, yeah, I would agree, and. Like I said, for living for being known as a quote, the whole phrase of verbal gambler, he's got some decent. I mean, Noah Hannafin still his contract is not in any way uh, overpriced or, or overinflated. He's got players like that that are making decent money. I, I just, yeah, I don't. 
is the I mean it does say that in the title is patience running out. I mean I I guess and you could fan turn patience, I would say that fan patience is probably running yes, out. Yes. That right. I would agree to because uh, when you got patience I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah, I think if you're talking about fan if you're talking about the fans, sure, absolutely. I mean after a couple of years ago when they were they were making a semi deep run to turn around and get eliminated in the first round. It's like, ah, uh, wait a minute. <sighs> Gaudreau, Monahan, uh, Elias Lindholm came on had just come over from Car- Carolina and was for a lack of a better phrase, blowing it up in, in Calgary. I mean, he was, it, it was like, well, who's this guy that, cause in Carolina, he wasn't putting up those kind of numbers. I mean, they were, I think their only question really was in net, and and Smith held it together as best he could. He he, he got them through a lot, but there were times where he looked like the older goaltender that he is. He, but for the most part, he he backstopped them as far as he could. It, but to go that far and then now suddenly flame out the last couple of years, no pun intended. Yeah, I could see the fans having issues with it. But I think that Trill Living needs to look past that and, and and do what's best for the organization as well. Where else do we have to go? Are we still on the West Coast? Uh, I see I was uh, I was looking at a story that you found and um, so trivia time uh, listeners. Ooh, I like trivia. What do Northboro, Massachusetts, uh, Wasserman, and Boston College have to do with the Florida Panthers? Okay, wait a minute. That's a trick question because Northboro is in Massachusetts. Yes, it is. Um, I don't know where Wasserman's offices are or were, but I'm pretty sure that they're probably somewhere in, like, New York. Okay. I'm, I'm guessing. It, it sounds like a sounds like an agency oh it is the agency it's uh, the um, sports group yes or media group uh what was the third question the third part of it um boston college northboro mass uh wasserman and the florida panthers so we've got northeast northeast and possible northeast and florida absolutely route 95 yes or 1a or 1a yeah so uh, the other possible answer that one or two of you might have come to is an NHL first. Ooh. Brett Wait a minute. Peterson this isn't fair. Is the I man who connects those three. Sleep. Brett Peterson is the man who connects those two institutions in town uh, with the Florida Panthers. And he has been signed as the new assistant GM uh, and the first black assistant GM in the NHL. Uh, something and and I love the quote. He's like having the opportunity to be the first at something is even more exciting. Something I never would have expected. I, he's 39 years old. He played he played four years at Boston College. His career never did burst into the NHL or or, or puncture that bubble. But he did play 300 plus games in the, in the minors. And he, he got 340 total minor league games, 317 for Atlantic City, Johnstown, 
Florida and Phoenix of the ECHL. He got 21 games for Albany and Grand Rapids of the AHL. And he even played two games in the defunct IHL and, as I said, pre-show league where the Detroit Vipers played. And and we got a guy named Sergei Samsonov. Never heard of him. I know. You keep saying that. He retired 11 years ago after the 2008-9 season, transitioned into sports representation. I mean, this guy's got a a, a history and background that is hockey. So – Knowing players, repped a bunch of his roommates when he played that he played with at BC, formed relationships with. I mean, it sounds like it's a really good fit. What's taking so damn long? <laughs> um, no idea. Maybe he was just making that money at the agency. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't know. Someone, this is, it takes two sides. You know, even if he applied for uh, positions before. Someone had to see, someone had to see a need and a fit. Um, given his agency background, I suspect he's probably going to be more involved with the with the contract negotiations with the player, um, with maybe with the scouting. Um, uh, I'm sure he's got all sorts of interesting contacts, um, and a lot of the guys that he went to BC with. Um, are actually probably moving towards the end of their careers as well. Uh, you look at his last season at BC, the 0304 season. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Steven Gianta was on that team. Andrew Alberts was on that team. Um, Brian Boyle on the team. Uh, who else? Sounds, who else? So, sounds like a stacked team. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, previous season, obviously, Jerry, Jerry York at the helm. Mm-hmm. Um, assistant, one of the assistant coaches was Ron Ralston. Uh, you had Ben Eves, um, yeah. hanging around there. Uh, Collins, Albert, still Gianta, Ben Lovejoy, uh, who has played, uh, some NHL time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, remember I mean, you got, you you've had <clears throat> you've had some successful some guys who managed to play you know several hundred games in the NHL uh, go to school with this guy play with this guy and I think it's I think it's I it's interesting that it's a Sun Belt market that he's landed with. Um. I mean, Sunrise has never been one of those. It's never been a city that even threatened to push into the top third of the league as far as draws and consistency. <clears throat> but it's also a market where there's a lot of dark skinned people. I mean, there's a lot of Puerto Ricans. There's a lot of Cubans. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people from all over the world uh, who end up in the Miami Metro. Uh, I think that it's probably a place where he'll have less off ice issues than, uh, some of the stuff we've seen in certain major cities, uh, and, uh, certain other NHL markets, uh, in the last couple of years that's made the news and disrupted the lives of a lot of people. Now, 
there is history here. It, it makes sense that if he was going to break into the NHL front offices, it was going to be in Florida because he and he and Bill Zito, uh, well, they kind of knew each other from back in the day because Zito is a co-founder of Acme World Sports and offered the job to Brett Peterson to become on where he began his sports representation career. Yep. So there is some history there. I love what Bill says about him. And this is a quote, and I'm going to read it real quick. It's just a couple of sentences. His substantive, substantive hockey experience as a player, significant developmental and evaluation skills, and business acumen as a negotiator combined to form an elite skill set that is very difficult to find in our sport. There are many who can excel in one of those disciplines, but few who excel in all three. I mean, this guy just it sounds like it's its time. Get him in there. He talks about taking players on journey. Brett does. He talks about taking a player on a journey, uh, being his rep- being a representative. And now he gets to take a, a team on a journey, having a chance to help manage a team and chase a Stanley Cup. Completely different extreme. I can't wait to take part of. I mean, I love this guy already. <laughs> I think this is I think this is going to be a great thing to watch. Um, and and it sounds like yes, he's going to be involved more with the uh, without talking specifics. And there is nothing in here about specifics, but it just reading this article and reading the quotes, it, it, it sounds like he's going to be dealing more on the with the players on at at some kind of face to face type of level. I don't I don't know quite how to phrase it. it. Yes, obviously Bill Zito is the GM. He's going to be making the con offering the contracts and everything. But it sounds like Brett is going to be like the 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 glue the 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 to make it all hold together. I don't know quite how to phrase it. Yeah. But it, it, I, it sounds like this is a great move for Florida, and Florida needs some great moves. They, as it says, they got a bunch of young talent, a bunch of young players. They just don't. They need a there direction. Isn't, there isn't that team. Yeah, there isn't that team focus yet. It's one thing to have a collection of talent. It's another thing to have a team. And two of us talked about this probably two months ago. Yep. Uh, we said that there is some good players on that roster. And there are. There's no identity. They're not an especially physical team. They're not an especially fast team. They don't necessarily have the best team defense. They don't have the slick drop passes and cross-ice saucers that you used to see from uh, the San Jose Sharks and the uh, Washington Capitals. Uh, they're not stacked three deep down the middle like uh, the Boston Bruins or the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, they don't have that ridiculous superstar like Patrick Kane who can literally be surrounded with no sight lines to the net and still put it past the goalie. Um, and if Brett Peterson and the rest of the organization can come together and create that identity i i think you're looking at uh, i mean i think you're looking at a a noticeable shift in the balance of the division 
I also I, I I love the last the very last part of this. The Peterson was part of a group that helped put together an all black and Hispanic team from the Next Gen AAA Foundation that won the Beantown Summer Classic Tournament in August. Team was coached by former NHL players Mike Greer and Bryce Salvador. So he still comes home. <laughs> still comes home. Um, maybe after three or four years in uh, Sunrise, when there's change here, he'll come home again. Still holding a hope for Chaco, but yeah. <laughs> um, more local. Um, Charlie McAvoy is still a little <sighs> bit aggrieved uh, at is, the loss of Tory Krug as a teammate. Is he still crying in his milk? Can you blame him? I mean, no, <laughs> neither of us has, neither of us has been as carried away by the hype uh, that dates back to possibly the year before his draft, not merely mm-hmm. his draft year, but the year before uh, that has swirled around Charlie McAvoy, which to his absolute credit, he really hasn't played into that much. You see his interviews. He it's never really about him, and it's yeah, plausibly I, not about him. Um, y- y- certain other people who have had the superstar label before they even were drafted, um, you got the impression that they were saying stuff that they were told to say, or phrase things in a certain way, um, because they were told to do it and not because they actually believed it. Um. I haven't ever gotten that impression from him. Oh no, I'm not. I I'm do. not putting. Yeah, but I wish I'm you not, were healthier. Yes. Um, if he putting, actually I'm, lived up to the hype, which, quite frankly, I don't think was. But I think well that's gauged. put on him by the fans and the fans and the media. The fans and the media, as you said, I he's 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 never one to be. He's he's never been one, as far as I can tell, to. Blow it up and say, you know, I am, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm the savior, whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he's, he has been down to earth in his interviews. He has been, I don't want to say humble, but I guess that works yeah, as well. He's not the. Adult. He's not the. He's not the reason for the anointing. No. That he's gotten from the fans. And anyone in the world can see that he actually puts in the effort. I mean, yes, we'd all prefer that he not get injured quite as often as he has. But you can't make it back into NHL shape as quickly as he has without putting in work. Don't care if you're 20 or 22 or 24. It's just not going to happen. The human body doesn't work that way. Uh, you You have to work to get that level of results and leaving aside the purely selfish career motivations. Um, I don't know of anyone who disliked Tory Krug. That says right here. TK was one of the first people who took me under his wing right away from the moment I got there. We still work out in the summers. He's just an unbelievable guy. Everybody in St. Louis is going to love him. I'm still mad that he's not on our team. Honestly, um, there's no other way to put it. Yes, they've lost a key cog and to get nothing back for him. Well, that's just another whole story. But uh, and this is a guy. Now, this is a guy I that we have talked about since he got here as being future captain material. Yes. 
like legitimately why uh, there's there's literal there's no reason not to be able to put a letter on him on just about any team in the league. His work uh, Krug's work ethic is in that upper three percent five percent of the league, whatever wherever you want to draw the line, that's goes beyond the desire to merely be good at their job or above average at their job, but has to, it, it's an approach that whether regardless of what they say, in order to hit that level, you genuinely have to believe that you could, you're only going to stop playing hockey when you want to stop playing hockey. It, it's that Chara level, that Yager level, that Ray Borg level of my body, my decision, and Father Time should stay the heck out of my way. <laughs> now, I, it doesn't say who wrote this, but I love the I love these numbers. Since 2014, 2013-14, his first full NHL season, Tory Krug led Bruins defenseman in goals, yep. 67, assists, 268, yep. points, 335, yep. power play goals, 24, uh-huh. power play points, 159, yep. and games, 520. And um, that last one is important because people people from the word go were saying – Oh, he's too small. He'll too never small. last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were saying that from the day they signed him as a as an un, undrafted rookie free agent. He's too small. Five five ten. I mean, come on now. He can't play defense. Um, and even better is how much uh, is that he, ra- he before he left he became the highest scoring uh, American born defenseman for the Boston Bruins. Now, admittedly, until maybe 1998-95 American and defenseman in the NHL were words you didn't see together very often Uh, but you're still talking an original six franchise uh, that has seen quite a few defensemen of every nationality roll through the doors Uh, to be number one in any category for any original six franchise uh, it means you put in the work And I just I I understand that I understand that contracts are not uh, contracts are supposed to be for for future performance. They're not a a a gift or some kind of a bonus for past performance, although they're not. It has has happened in the past. I mean, certain guy by name of uh, David Ortiz, I'm sure, got one or two of his last contracts because of how he performed, not what they're expecting going forward. But uh, those kind of numbers, and you look at those kind of numbers and you say, all I could think of is, oops, I mean, what happened? Does none of this factor in? To me, this is the bedrock of what's going to, yes, okay, at some point, like all players, he's going to start a downward trend. I get that. But he's only but 29. It didn't, start yet. it didn't start yet. No, he's only 29. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Most most defensemen hit that balance between knowledge of the game and their their opponents and physical conditioning somewhere between 28 and 30, and it ends somewhere around 32 or 33. So signing a four or five year contract, signing five or six years, that shouldn't be an issue. 
Sign even signing that seventh year shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have been an issue here. I mean, it, it, you look you at had, you had he had you had everything he wanted. <laughs> a team he believed in, good friends on and off the ice, an area where he and his wife had made a family, um, made a home. His dog is named Fenway. <laughs> exactly. It. Everything was lined up except for the front office. Um, Who apparently uh, didn't make him an offer for like a year. The front office uh, uh, evacuated their bowels and his Cheerios and he left town. I just I, I don't understand it. it and, and It's incomprehensible. That, That's why you don't understand it. Well, what I don't understand is that they actually made him an offer equivalent to uh, yes, it was only six years, 39 mil, but it was the same six and a half million dollars. Then they pulled that off. And it's not like it's not like he was looking for more money. I mean, yes, I'm sure every player is looking for more money, but he signed a contract for six point five million dollars average annual value. That's what you offered him before you pulled it back. He just Literally, wanted a seventh year. I don't. I uh, okay. We got to stop because I'm gonna. Yes, uh, I'm ready to flip tables at this point. And 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 I I do. I feel for McAvoy. And it says, and and he says, I'm definitely excited to be where I am with this team. And I'm not really sure what's going to happen. This is kind of a like a weird place to be. I haven't been in this position since I've been here, where it kind of looks like we're restructuring a little bit on the back end. Hmm. We've been saying doesn't look right either. Um, and, and yeah. There, and there is one of the actual rear guard blue liners right there saying it looks like a restructuring a little on the back end. Hmm. So it's not just the fans that are noticing there, Don. The players are noticing too. <laughs> and... That's not good. Uh, Winnipeg Jets prospect um, had himself a bit of, uh, well, he had a multiple car pile up. Um, Sam, uh, Dylan Samberg, uh, while driving in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days back. Uh, three car pile up. He hit a parked vehicle where several people were trying to uh, were, were assisting uh, those already uh, those in the vehicles um, police uh, report according to the MSN article uh, and Russ Hobson uh, state that there was not alcohol involved and they were not road conditions he was wearing his seatbelt um, no serious injuries um, there were four others sent to the hospital in serious condition, um, and four pedestrians, uh, who had been checking on the occupants of the first vehicle, all who suffered life-threatening injuries. If I'm reading this correctly, the four, pe- the people in the first vehicle, um, were, um, were aged uh, 53, 21, 85, and 91. Um, that's uh, that's pretty scary. Um, 
I don't I, know what the cause of this accident was, um, but it leaves basically three areas uh, to speculate on. Obviously, if it was if alcohol and road conditions were ruled out, it's possibility he was really tired and simply falling asleep at the wheel. There could possibly have been some form of distraction, distracted driving, whether it's texting or answering a phone call or another occupant of the vehicle, although none are mentioned. Um, uh, and the third possibility is, of course, a health pro- a health issue of his own. I will say this: when I first read this article, and I completely missed this one sentence, this two sentences. My first thought was that yes, he was distracted, whatever. But the first vehicle was not. Par- it says he crashed his truck in, into a parked car. Yep. But apparently, that first vehicle had struck a deer. And then he was the second vehicle involved because then it says a third vehicle then crashed into the first car as well. So when it says parked car, my my first impression is that it's nice and neatly pulled over to the side of the road in the breakdown lane, the hard shoulders. But it sounds more like the vehicle was in the middle of the road. I mean, if he was simply following a little too close, uh, that. Uh, that's going to happen. I mean, and it was, uh, the th- and that's less of an issue than other possibilities. And it was, this, um, but it was it. The way it's worded here, the third vehicle is that crashed into the first car is the one that caused it to strike the pedestrians. The way it, the way it's worded, it kind of. It, I had this impression in my head of Dylan was the one that hit him and hit the I, 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 I was getting very bad images uh, yeah, and and yes this is uh, it's an interesting story because uh, a week and, or a week and a half before this uh, incident um, the hockey writers listed him as among the Winnipeg Jets untouchable prospects um, he was predicted or he was expected to be heading off to the world juniors Um Uh, he's described just... as physical, mobile, and uh, now the this is this is directly from the uh, from the Declan Schroeder uh, article on November 9th. Um, here it is: uh, a physical, mobile, and well-rounded player. The Hermantown, Minnesota product has the potential to be an NHL stud, and the Jets' next top-tier American D-man. After Dustin Bufflin, Mark Stewart, Mark Stewart, Jacob Truba, and Neil Pionk, um, there's an interesting spread in talent between those four. Um, but just saying that you're going to play three, four hundred NHL games and a top tier, be a top tier player, is is somewhat eye opening. Yeah. Um, and that first article uh, that we were looking at is a little sensational. Well, or it's a little flat on the details. It makes it sound like everything was his fault in, yes. for most of the article. Um, yes. And that's that, really unfair to him. 
that's and like I said that when I first read it, I was getting bad imaging. It, it, how it was his fault? Yeah, it's reading it through a second, third time. It it, and, it sounds and, like anyone who was there at that point driving is probably going to have the same result. Yes. And I hope we hope for everybody that was involved that's injured that they have speedy recoveries and that speedy and full recoveries and full recoveries. Yes. Uh, he's already played on two. He's already played on two uh, USA national teams. He's got a bronze and a silver medal in both a 2018 set. 2019. A complete set. Uh, with that that funny gold colored one, yeah, that would be nice. That would be very nice. What else have we got on the board today? Oh my goodness, we've covered, we we've traipsed back and forth. The only thing we haven't mentioned is well, we'd have to go back west again, but Vancouver oh, the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, Former Boston Bruin, Louis Erickson, who had an up and down time here in uh, in Boston, um, is admitted to or the general manager out in uh, Vancouver has admitted to trying to trade him, um, which isn't hugely a surprise. Uh, well, he hasn't really had a great show or, or a great showing in his time in Vancouver. Um, I'm not even sure he's hit, uh, hit the 25 goal mark twice in the four or five years he's been there now. I was going to say his performance and the size of that contract. I, I'm not surprised that Bennings had nobody angling to pick him up. And, and yes, he, uh, He's a very good defensive forward. He's not uh, selkie caliber as as our as our own Patrice, but he is a very good defensive forward. And but I as, really greatly <laughs> doubt he's become a locker room issue or anything obnoxious like that. Don't see it happening. He wasn't here. I I think that this statement says it all. It should go without saying that most teams don't pay guys six million dollars just to kill penalties. Yeah, in the three years that he has been out, uh, three or four full season, four seasons out there, um, his highest goal total is eleven, um, and he's played a full season just once. Uh, sixteen seventeen season, he only got into sixty five games, fifty games in the seventeen eighteen, and just forty nine in the <clears throat> paused season just closed. And the thing he played is, played ten of their playoff games. Uh, last year and had exactly zero points. It, it it says something when I'm pretty sure it was under Travis. He's been a healthy scratch. That's not, that's, uh, that's not a good sign when you're a veteran. No, not at all. I mean, his last year with the Bruins, he had 66, 63 points in 82 games. I mean, it looked like he did before he got here. Yeah. And then as soon as he got out west in Vancouver, it, it I mean, talk about falling off the tape. It, it, it wasn't a slow decline. He went no, from he, 80 games, I'm sorry, 80 games, 63 points in 80 games. And then the very next year, down to 24 points. 
It's like now, his Vin- talent was confiscated in uh, customs. <sighs> yeah, I, and I have no explanation for it. I mean, it's not like it was. It's not like it was. Okay, first year jitters or something where okay he recovered in the second year with the Canucks, but no, there, no, there, there's really no viable explanation. And he still got two more years left at six mil per. Yeah, is it that? Yeah, many? yeah this season and it's next season exactly six even. I mean, is it is Benning going to have to buy him buy him out? If if he gets bought out, it's probably going to they're probably going to have to use like an exemption to buy him out, uh, just because of the cap, uh, just because of the almost certain flat or declining uh, cap in the next couple of years. Because with two years left, if they buy him out, um, that's gonna Actually, that's gonna impact their cap for like more like I, three additional years, I believe it is. I think so. Yeah, and they're at they're at the cap now. I mean, they're at eighty three million. One hundred thousand plus. They've used one point five million in LT in long term IR. I I don't know what you do with this guy. You have to keep playing him. You can't pay him to just sit. I mean, if you buy him out, um, you do save a little bit of money. Uh, one point three three million. Um, and the back end of the buyout isn't as bad, but. You're really only saving three hundred and thirty-three thousand and change in the first season. Um, two point three three million and change uh, the next two seasons, and then the cap hit is only uh, is six hundred and sixty-six thousand for two additional years. So it's not a terrible buyout, but it's not necessarily a good one either. Uh, you're still paying him most of that salary in those first two years, with most of it sitting on your on your uh, cap hit. Um, the thing is, even if you find him a home, you're gonna have to eat some salary. Nobody's gonna take on his full six million. If you could it's trade him a- somewhere, no, I, I agree with that. If you could trade him somewhere and keep two million of the salary for two years, even if you have to give up a second round pick or Whatever and, to yeah, do there it. will have to be other inducements. <laughs> um, I I think that you're coming out ahead, and who knows? You know, the you tra- trade him to you trade him to a coach with structure in the system. Like I don't know, uh, Columbus or Montreal. <laughs> Again, 35, 36-year-old guy who's not producing. I mean, with the proper inducements, yeah, I suppose you could get anybody, to, any GM to take anybody for two more years. But uh, I – is – is did he play for Claude or was he was here before Claude? Uh, I think he was here when Claude was here. Yes. So is it possible he could go to Mont- Is it possible he could go to Montreal and and, and be a third win- third third line winger? Yeah, third uh, line absolutely. winger and 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 just play out his string as a defensive forward. I mean, if he can get twenty, if you get twenty twenty five points out of a third line winger, it, I guess it, you're doing it, our- four million is still a lot to pay for that, but it, it's 
if you can if you can also make use of him on the PK and have him playing, you know, three and a half penalty minutes, uh, penalty kill minutes a night. He can be an able teacher to some of their younger guys and, you know, fill that gap while you're waiting for the rest to fill in. Montreal's got (laughs) a whopping. This is why I said Columbus, uh, because they've got nine million in cap space free over nine million. Have they signed Dubois yet? They have not yet signed not signed. Dubois. There you go. Okay. <laughs> but even there, that'll be like $6 million. I mean, it's his second contract. He really doesn't have any negotiating rights. If they go whole uh, hog and pay him more than anyone else on the team, it'll be $6 million or any other forward. Uh, no, that would make him the best paid player on the on the team at $6 million. Um, so even... Assume you assume you play yeah, you pay Pierre Luc Dubois four and a half million for the next three years. Four and a half. Yeah, he half. has no negotiating rights. That would make him higher than Boone Jenner. Um, that would make him. Would make him about sixth among forwards in pay. It's still I all mean, of whom are significantly older, with the exception of of Max Domi. It's still a uh, it's still a hefty raise from what he's making now. Yep. I, I don't know if four and a half gets it done, but like you said, he's got if he's got no negotiating rights, then how is he still not signed? Is the team just waiting for the proper time to say, hey, we're going to stick you with four million dollars and that's all you get? He can hold even if he even if he holds out for the year and doesn't. When he comes back, he's still owned by Columbus, if I'm not mistaken. Um, who? Pierre Luc Dubois. If he oh, if yeah. he holds if he out, hold, well, he has he has no negotiating rights. So if they slide him a contract and he doesn't like the dollar figure, the only option he has is to not sign it and not play. But even if that happens, when he the end of the season, beginning of next season, he's still Columbus. He can't just go sign somewhere else and be done with it. Or Columbus gets whatever the compensation is that they would get as an RFA signing. Uh, correct. Okay. Uh, at least to the best of my knowledge, I really do need to dive into the CBA and see what's changed from last time. And again, even if that's the case... We're talking a hockey player missing a season for a season that might not happen, but okay. Uh, yeah, don't see it happening. <laughs> I think it would, I, as I said earlier, I think it would be incredibly stupid of them to not play the season. But this is NHL ownership we're talking about. <laughs> Fair enough. But as far as and and just to tie a bow on it, Louis Erickson, I think is going to end up finishing career up as a, a in Vancouver. Mm, quite likely. Uh, anything, although theoretically he could end up being exposed in the draft in the expansion draft, but uh, for compensation uh, to with some sort of compensation to to Seattle. But interesting, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Anything else we want to cover today? I 
think we've covered quite a bit. We've traversed the country at least twice. Uh, that's uh, us. And, cro- and crossed over the border. So, uh, yeah, I think we're good. Oh, only other thing that I don't think we covered last week. Uh, Tampa Bay joined the Over the Cap Club uh, with the signing of Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, they were the number 10. Okay, I was going to say, because it was the count was at 9. And when you said 10, I was trying to figure out who the 10th was. Uh, yep. Uh, his contract was signed November 25th. Um, so we must have missed it last week. Um, but uh, Sergeyev is a guy we'll be keeping an eye on for, I don't know, the next 12 to 15 NHL seasons. Um, and uh, he's been fun to watch so far. For so, my, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, uh, yeah, he's got, for those wondering, three-year contract, $4.8 million a year. Um, signing bonuses of $1.5 in each of the first two seasons. And Montreal still trying to figure out where they went wrong. Yep. Uh, no mo- <laughs> no clause, no movement clauses reported on this one, so interesting. Wow, yeah. He can be moved at uh, the discretion of the club, with uh, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. So, thank you for that's, listening. That's all, folks. <laughs> And uh, take care.